Support comes from the City of Elgin, celebrating St. Patrick's Day with a sip, shop, and stroll event in downtown Elgin, including a farmer's market, extended store hours, kids' activities, and refreshments. 19 miles east of Austin on Highway 290. More at elgintexas.gov. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives and give us a glimpse into their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode of This Song, we'll be hearing from Chris Masterson and Eleanor Whitmore, the husband and wife duo known as the Mastersons. Now, I've actually known Chris and Eleanor for a really long time, like from before they were even a couple. That's because they both lived in Austin, Texas, back when we were all in our, like, 20s. And they were playing Americana around Austin, and I was playing Americana around Austin, and everybody kind of knew each other. Chris played guitar with a bunch of touring bands, and Eleanor played with a ton of bands, Bruce Robison and Kelly Willis, and they got together, and they got married. And then seven years ago, I heard that they had landed the Steve Earle gig. Like, they're both members of the Dukes. And then a couple years later they released their first record as the Mastersons. It was called Birds Fly South. Now the Mastersons tour like all the time. Steve Earle keeps them pretty busy. He has an intense schedule. And in addition to backing him up, they also open his shows. And when they're not touring with Steve, they tour as the Mastersons. So even though now they technically live in Los Angeles, really? They live on the road, which makes the title of their third record, Transient Lullaby, so appropriate. They were here in Austin in May to celebrate the release of that record, and they came by KUTX to tell me about some of the songs and even like a fiddle solo that inspire the work they're making now. So here they are, Chris Masterson and Eleanor Whitmore, the Mastersons. You know, I, I think when we set out to make this record, um, it what we often listen to at home, and, and we have a nice hi-fi and listen to a lot of vinyl we don't own a television, um, there's just a lot of stuff that I would call late-night music, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I love, you know, someone like Daniel Lenoir, like, or listening to Emmy Lou's Wrecking Ball, or uh, almost anything Dan Lin Law's been a part of like lends itself to that like super hi-fi sounding and you just can sit on your couch and take it in and sonic landscapes that uh, you know put us in the headspace for for this record that record does it for me <laughs> that song no I was just thinking of that record in general I mean the 
uh, I mean, a lot of what Emmy does, like we were talking about, um, if I could only win your love the other day, like, and how her and Herb Peterson sing that together. And um, it, when you, you know, sing harmony, you know, you know, you start to dive into, you know, how to construct a harmony part. That's not just someone singing the fifth or I'll jump on this chorus here where, you know, where, you know, you fall into unison and someone, you know, falls in and out of the lead part. If I could only win your love, I'd give my all to make it live. You'll never know how much I'd give if I could only win your love. But I think a lot of that stuff, I didn't even, uh, like, I, and, you know, I grew up with country records on all the time, but until you you know, start trying to figure out how to sing, you know, with your significant other. Like, I, you know, I, I never even realized the mechanics of it just because it's, it, it, it sounds like it's supposed to be like that, you know, and, and when it's done right. Or, or you could talk about like Graham and Emmy and how they sing together or Buddy and Julie Miller or, or like the Living Brothers, you know, the siblings and all that stuff. Like it, it, until you, you know, study it, you don't realize, they make it sound effortless. By heeding God's call, or what is a friend who'd want you to fall? Others find pleasure in things I despise. I like the Christian life. So you have like a lot of experience singing harmonies, but is is it different? for the two of you to sing together is it like are you trying to do something different and more interesting when you do masterson stuff yeah absolutely i mean when we like when we say come up write a new song we'll try it in a bunch of keys with like you know here's chris singing lead here's eleanor singing lead here's where it works unison because it's tricky you know you get something that might work for me and it's too high for her or vice versa um and i think it's also kind of tricky just to you know not every single line or every single song needs harmony everywhere um you know so it's you know sometimes that's the writing and you know that's why sometimes we'll maybe uh flip into unison in certain parts um because it doesn't make sense to do harmony there um so yeah we definitely kind of experiment with it a lot and see what works and what doesn't like i said until we really started doing this for a living, I never studied stuff like that. I mean, I would, you know, sing harmony on the chorus of a song, and you know, you're just trying to blend and still, you know, be behind whoever, you know, is the storyteller or the lead singer. But um, no, I guess once we started doing this, that's when I started. Like, you know, I always kind of liked the Jayhawks, um, but it wasn't something we like referenced when we made our first record. And then, like, people that reviewed it started. You know, giving you know sort of fa- favorable comparisons, and 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 then then I, you start listening to like uh, Gary Loris and how Mark Olson and how they'll be in harmony, then they'll fall into a unison. You know, things that we were just kind of unintentionally doing. think 
the emotional impact or the emotional implications are of harmony. You know, like I think it's not just complimentary notes. And I feel like that's what you guys keep on saying. Like, it's not just about singing a third above what's sung. Um, Like, what is it about harmony apart from like a, a musical like note structure standpoint like what kind of impact does harmony have on like the the soul of the music I guess I think there is something emotional though that happens um with harmony and I don't know if it's you know based on something technical or what but it's you know there's you know something very true about certain intervals and then you know you add a suspension and it creates tension and it and it moves the listener and um you know I think that you know that's really just arranging and kind of finding the the right notes that um kind of bring out you know the the emotion and the lyrics that you're um trying to support um but it could give a line more impact too to have someone chime in you know just Mm -hmm. uh, just you know on the meaning of that whatever that given line is Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's an extra added dimension because you guys are married. But like when you talk about harmony singers, um, you know, a lot of times there's a relationship there. Like sometimes there's a family relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's like a love relationship um, or a friend or like in the Jayhawks, there was like a friend relationship there. They were friends sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But do you think that like that, the the harmonies that you sing, it can be like a an expression of like a larger you, you know? I think so. And and I mean, I've always been, um, you know, a fan. I mean, to hear like Eleanor sing with her sister, Bonnie Whitmore. I mean, like the, there's that like when siblings do it or, you know, you think of the Jackson Five or you think of the Leuven brothers or there's, you know, there's something that's just, it's in, it's in their blood and it's, it's, it's there. Um, but also, like when a married couple, you know, whether they're happy or whether they're like Richard and Linda Thompson riding, shoot out the lights in the throes of a divorce, like that's that's powerful. It scares you when you don't know whichever way the wind might blow. I'm walking on a wire. Was it a real focus of this record? Did you, I mean, because you've done, this is your third record, you've done harmonies on all of your records, but was, did you guys have more of a focus on this record? There was a song on the first record called Crash Test, and that was one we wrote together and, um, I think that's one of the few on the first record where we sing you know, uh, sort of as one singer for the duration of the song. And it kind of became the template for what we were looking to do, you know, writing-wise and with harmonies is, you know, we wanted to be able to, to write songs where you could kind of sing together the whole way through as one voice. I want to ride with you Travel through space and time with you I want to ride But then we went um, on the second record. We made it um, in California with Jim Scott, and and I feel like we we had that sort of crash test template going. But 
it, Good Luck Charm is a really loud record in a way. It's a you know jangly guitars and it's it's poppy and it's it's sunny and um, it's like we're on the street corner yelling at people. And then, but when we um, sat down to to start talking about um, this record with uh, our friend George Reef who co-produced it with me. We were talking about the the late night record that you know trying to make something that you would put on late at night first of all and and George kind of um you know one of his first comments was just you know what about just singing softer just a more laconic you know lazier and just um you know just taking it down a notch and um so I think that's you know that's sort of led to the sound on this record so you said that the late night that's another kind of part of what you were listening to is you've You've got all these harmony singers on one side, and then you've got like Daniel Lanois texture stuff, mm-hmm. late night stuff. Yeah. Is that is that kind of vibe and kind of more uh, dark um, sonically? Um, you know, it's a little warmer and darker. Um, there's just a way of recording that you know you can play whatever whatever instrument, whether you're the drummer or you're playing vibraphone or like. They're singing. You can make the microphone come to you. Oh, that's interesting. How? Tell me more about that. So, how does that work? You know, a lot of the records that I'll put on at night, the the musicians aren't playing their instruments that hard. You know, they're they're playing soft, and then the the, the they're letting the microphones kind of capture them. You can always turn it up, but with the sounds that are pleasing to me are aren't when people are bashing. Um, and I and I, the singing goes the same way. It's just like, well, we can just take it down a notch, and um, and, and so when we made this record, it was really performance based, and it was to tape. And we're sitting in a room, not much bigger than this, well, probably smaller than this room we're in, like with microphones looking at each other, playing our instruments and singing, and and that's what you hear. I mean, there may be a fix or two here and there, but um, yeah, it's just. Um, Letting the microphones do the work and, and letting, letting the mics chase you. Say what you want Take what you need I'll be the one you can count on The play wicked game things that really influenced me growing up. Um, one uh, fiddle solo in particular that just kind of changed my life was um, Johnny Gimbel's uh, fiddle solo on Right or Wrong. Do you remember what it was about that particular Johnny Gimbel solo that blew your mind? Well, it's just the way that he starts it. He just, it's like very acrobatic, um, the way that he uh, just rips into that solo. took me I'm I'm still actually figuring out I've learned it I've sat down and spent you know many hours studying that solo and every time I listen to it I realize that I've learned it wrong and and I find another note that I've missed um, and it's it's just amazing um, the ideas that uh, Johnny had um, as a player he was really 
um, quite inspiring. Also, just, you know, listening to a lot of old Ray Price records where you've got, you know, these really beautiful string arrangements, but then there's still a fiddle solo, um, you know, in, in the tune. So it's like orchestrated, but then it's still country. And, you know, and I, I grew up playing classical and, you know, playing by ear and playing fiddle. And I really like to, to ride that ridge and be able to do both of those things. Lay your head upon my pillow. Hold your warm and tender body close to mine. Well, and it's interesting too that you're attracted to like orchestration is very. I mean, it's very orchestrated, right? Like, yeah. there's there's a way that you do it. And then there's Johnny Gimble, which is improvisation. Yeah. Um, and so have has that been a thing, that like a, a line that you've walked your whole life? Like uh, Always. I feel like every time I'm improvising and I'm, you know, playing more in improvis- improvisational styles, I'm... You know, I'm constantly fighting my, you know, orchestral training and the squareness of, you know, having a certain part and, um, you know, just trying to loosen it up. And She plays violin and fiddle. <laughs> but then, you know, I'll go to do a string arrangement and I'm like feeling really sloppy and like I need to, to warm up and do some scales first or something. So Well, it's interesting because actually there is a distinction between violin and fiddle. Most people don't play both That's you true. know like most people play fiddle mm-hmm. which is like based in the country oeuvre and it's mm-hmm. very like based around improvisation or they play like violin, violin. so that's um i didn't actually know that you that you did both that's really cool yeah I, I think it's kind of a product of my upbringing my mom was an opera singer and my dad was a folk singer so i kind of had to do both <laughs> <laughs> But I think that in this type of music, it, it can happen a lot. And, you know, one thing that, you know, over the course of our band, we've always had sort of this, there's been this split where both, you know, we're both Southern, she being from Denton, and I was born in Louisiana and grew up in Houston. So, like, there will always be Southern elements to what we do. Yet, you know, we're both Anglophiles and, you know, loved, you know, Kinks records and the Zombies and the Beatles. And, and that, you know, that that affected a lot of the chord structure. So there's always, you know, there's always a bit, you know, if we write something that's too, not too, it seems too country, we'll throw some weird minor chords in it and change the production. Or if we write a pop song, that's when the fiddle comes out or, you know, so that we've always tried to turn things on their ear and make them maybe not quite what you expect to hear. I've gone miles and endless miles A pilgrim of the interstate Oh, you know I can't stay long And the map of where I've been Beats by the lines upon my face If you ask me where I'm bound I'm is Transient Lullaby from their new record of the same name and true to form like Eleanor and Chris are on tour with Steve Earle right now. If you would like to hear them sing you a Transient Lullaby, 
then you should go see them. I'll be sure to put a link to their tour dates on the show notes page for this episode on KUTX.org. KUTX, in case you didn't know, is the radio station where we make this podcast. And they also came into Studio 1A, like our big, gorgeous live performance studio here at the station, and did a live set. And I'll post a link to that on the show notes page, too, so that you can dive deep with the Mastersons. And you know, during the interview, they talked about working with George Reef on this latest record. And a couple of days after our conversation, George actually passed away. It was a big shock here in Austin because George was a beloved bass player and producer. And when I was getting this interview ready for this episode, I just kept thinking about how you should totally go listen to my friend Johnny Gowdy's podcast, How Did I Get Here? He interviewed Chris and Eleanor the day after George passed, and it's a really great interview and a great tribute to George. And he also interviewed George a couple of times. His interviews give you this really nice insight into why everyone was a George Reef fan. It's worth your time, I promise. And and you can find Johnny's podcast, How Did I Get Here? Anywhere. He's got like a ton of episodes. And this podcast also has a lot of archived material worth listening to. You can find conversations with other songwriting duos like Amelia Meath and Nick Sanborn of Sylvan Esso or Tegan and Sarah. And you can find all of these episodes on the podcast app or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there perusing the archive, we'd love it if you would leave a rating or a review because ratings help us a lot. They help people find this podcast, which is what we want. And also, you can help people find this podcast like by telling people about it. You can share it with your friends online or in real life. We totally thank you in advance for that. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Taylor Wallace curates our Instagram account. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. And thank you to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it's true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. You can like us on Facebook and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on the podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.